0: Coming live from Franklin, Tennessee, USA is our guest this evening. (laughs) Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Nicole Smith, Defender of Human Dignity, Founder of Dignity uh, Defense. Welcome to the show, Nicole.
1: Thank you so much, AJ. I appreciate having me on.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And we'll be talking to you about, you know, fighting for the value of humanity. And you are doing this, you are reminding humanity of its immeasurable worth. Nicole, why are you fighting for humanity? Everybody wants to fight and makes, uh, wants to change the world, but you are actually have gotten down to changing the world. And you want to remind humanity of its immeasurable worth two things why are you keeping up this fight for the better of humanity and what is this immeasurable worth that you are fighting for why is it so full of worth for you
1: yeah well uh, honestly with everything it kind of comes down to life experiences so I got a master's in law and public policy, and uh, almost immediately after my degree, I ended up on the communication side of the human rights world. Uh, so I would conduct uh, these uh, campaigns around the globe for uh, various different things, uh, where people are experiencing injustices in Africa, in Asia, in Europe, America, all over the all over the world, and. Um, it just really affected me, you know, on a deeper level, you know, really wanting to exact change in people's life for the better, but feeling like I was just one person at a time, you know, which a lot of ways is very important. But um, it wasn't until 2020 that this uh, experience uh, sort of took flesh and blood. My daughter was born in distress and ended up with uh, the diagnosis of cerebral palsy. Um, So it really just emboldened this intention of reinforcing the value of human life at its foundation, because I realized that without getting down to the foundation of the human person and seeing us all as equally valuable, um, cultures all over the world can measure human value by different criteria. Um, And especially since my mother, my daughter has disabilities, uh, she experiences a different world than we do often being judged by her capabilities. And uh, so, yeah, that's basically how I got started and why I wage the, the fight <laughs> that I fight every day. So.
0: Right, right, Nicole. Uh, now I want to understand this. This is uh, you are contributing a lot. You have been doing this uh, since the last several years, almost a decade now, I guess. And Mm -hmm. it is a fight which may look easy because you can go and do small bits, but you are wanting to make make a bigger difference and that that is why you have got uh, this organization also. Mm -hmm. The thing is that uh, what are the challenges that you uh, see uh, in terms of humanity, fighting for humanity? Is it Humanity itself is posing a challenge to its own existence and leading to problems with so many people across the world. Or is it technology that you see as a challenge? What are you trying to save humanity or fight humanity from? Want to understand? If you have
1: yeah, out
0: that, who exactly yeah, is this fight against?
1: Yeah. So I I would say wonderful question. Um, First and foremost, often it's uh, culture itself uh, really like perpetuates this type of rhetoric, Uh, so much so that people foundationally start to to act upon this in their day to day life, so much so that, you know, racism or classism or sexism, uh, any of those sorts of injustices that occur in our day to day life is perpetuated by the individual because they don't understand what they're doing. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, if you ask somebody in a conversation, well, of course, I don't believe that you should enslave someone. Of course, I don't believe that you should, you know, do X, Y, and Z. That's this great injustice. But you see on the day-to-day life that they often are perpetuating it in different ways. So a big challenge is just defeating or coming against that that piece of rhetoric that affects our day-to-day life. And so you were mentioning technology. It's almost a a double-edged sword. Um, So I I got my um, start in the digital realm. And, you know, I I would go to these conferences uh, in which people were wielding these uh, technology tools for marketing purposes and all these things. And, you know, we'd be in a circle and... they they be like, okay, so what company are you with? And they're like, well, I sell shoes and I sell, you know, uh, coats. And um, well, here I was over here freeing imprisoned religious minorities out of Iran and Sudan. And, you know, they're like, why are you here? It's like, because these tools should be used for good, right? So every day we're inundated a- across the globe. If you have access to a computer to rhetoric that is counter to enforcing the dignity of the individual. But we should be using technology to do that too. So it's uh, a, a lot of my career really was just really harnessing the power of these tools uh, for to see amazing things, um, impossible things uh, to, to actually happen in, in places of the world that you just didn't think would be possible, you know. So yeah, uh, that was a really good question.
0: <laughs> right, right. Okay, tell us about this Organized founder of Dignity Defense. What exactly is this about?
1: Well, Dignity Defense Institute is the full name at Um, dignitydefense.org. And a big, big part of the arm is, like I said, it's an education arm, really uh, going to these digital spheres, uh, talking about the uh, discrepancies that we experience within culture, uh, and really just raising questions. You know, I have a podcast myself. It's called Pro Dignity No Doubt. And a lot of what I do on that is really just bring people on and I have discussions with them about their day-to-day life, like what they experienced, people that were uh, conceived in rape, people that were, uh, their their children experienced uh, very intense uh, accidents that resulted in lifelong ramifications by way of disabilities. Um, Really the key to that is just to make people understand they're not alone in their struggle because life is struggle, man. You're like, (laughs) like none of us are escape it. And I I think, especially in the Western world, it's all of our culture is so much geared towards avoiding struggle at all costs, that that is our main goal in life. But when it finds us, because it inevitably does, we need to know that we're not alone in our struggle and just being seen right where we are and knowing, Hey, you know, this person has gone through and a really intense thing that culture tells us we should be unhappy and hate our life because it was so miserable. And yet here they are living with joy. Like, how do you do that? How do you come to terms with struggle? Uh, And it's a lot of times it's through just educating through our life experiences, but also just to pose questions. Like, you know, I know India has different experiences than America does. Um, And honestly, you know, different parts of India are going to experience different Struggles, just like in the United States, the part I live in is so different than, you know, (laughs) uh, going left or right from where I am. I'm I'm kind of towards the center. We're in the southeast uh, part and and our cultural experiences are going to be different. And so a lot about what we do in the education arm is just about letting people be seen in their struggle and telling them that they're important. And that they should push through life struggles and still find joy through it all. Um, But, you know, there's different areas of impact that we want to go as an organization as well. There's a public policy arm uh, that's about standing in the gap for poor public policy that's being pushed through. But we also want to be a connection between organizations that are really just care about people, but uh, they just don't know how to find the people and the people don't know how to find those organizational resources. So um, as an organization, we're really attempting to be very uh, full-bodied approach to the defense of the human person at its foundation, if that makes sense.
0: Right. Right. It does. Uh, How do you choose issues and countries? Uh, Where would you focus your energies on? Uh, How does it work for you? Because you see now, a lot of issues are going to come up in the U.S. You just had the midterm elections there and the full term mm-hmm. elections will be, will not be far off from now on. And already even everybody, the whole world looks at the U.S. And at the same time, there is a huge debate within U.S. itself as to where U.S. is going. So in this whole mm-hmm. concept, if you look at the outside world, and focus your energy. It can be a difficult choice sometimes, you know, picking up issues and then focusing on that. So how do you, as an organization, work on that, decide finally on any particular thing to focus on?
1: Yeah, no, also a wonderful question. I think it's really important to understand that, uh, again, you know, India, it's it's got a rich, deep, wide cultural experience Uh, that is beautiful, but you also face different challenges too. And really understanding uh, where you are as a country, the the everyday struggles that you're experiencing and almost like a cultural reality that you perpetuate are going to be different. So what I experience in the United States, what we do, our struggles are going to be different. And so recognizing that where you enter into different uh, cultures are going to have different challenges, but foundationally, it's just the same really, if, if you look at the United States and if you look at India, if you look at Uganda, you look any country, um, foundationally, usually uh, the injustices that are being created is because they're defining human value by another criteria other than simply being a member of the human family. So um, slavery was based off of that. But slavery isn't just one type of slavery. Here in the United States, obviously, it was perpetuated by this idea of color. Skin color, right? But slavery is not relegated to just that type. <laughs> you can be a socioeconomic background, uh, uh, sex, um, you know, any type of criteria is going to be different in different parts of the world. So, really getting back to what the original point being is really look at the culture where it is, get down to that uh, foundation. You are inherently valuable because you are human. There is another, no other addition. It, it doesn't mean you're a human uh, only because you're this color, or you're this sex, or you're this uh, religious association. Just foundationally, we're equally valuable. And then addressing each uh, cultural offense against that is going to be uh, need to be addressed on that cultural experience of each country, if that makes sense. So that's what yes. we attempt to do organizationally. Yeah.
0: Right. Right, Nicole. Uh, let's uh, let us look at. This particular way, uh, you have been—you uh, have a background in law and public policy. Yeah. And when we, uh, when humanity decided itself to move forward in the form of societies, it created governments. Then mm. we created governments, and governments were supposed to be for the people, by the people, and of the people. And then, you being in the, uh, with a degree, uh, with a background in law and public policy, uh, you moved and the communication, you moved from that to taking the fight directly to the ground level and doing it directly. Somewhere along, I've also felt it that governments all across the world are somehow not able to keep up with the. Demands or the demand may not be the right way, but aspirations of the people with which they were elected or what they promised. Yeah. And then, so I want to understand how human beings, societies and humanity as a whole can expect governments, administrations and administrators from them, from Uh, in terms of their upliftment, in terms of their saving them from future problems. Because you see, we can take off climate change, we can take off uh, racism, we can talk of any other thing. They become just discussion points. And finally, it is the person who is on the ground and some saviors like your organization who want to keep up and try to fight for the value of human dignity, and for humanity. I just wanted to put it in such a manner so that you can answer it at your own pace.
1: Yeah. So, AJ, like stellar questions. I'm really loving this. So I, th- I think a lot of our heart for the idea of looking to our governments for that solution uh, is a lot of what limits our capability of Evolving past, right? So one of the things I'm kind of a student of history. uh, It's something that's perpetuated a lot. So if you have policy that uh, demeans the value of a human person, you'll get a culture that demeans the value of the human person. But if you have a culture that demeans the value of the human person, you're going to get policy. It's kind of like they rely, rely on each other in a big way. Um, in which we sort of need to break away from these big power players that are driving culture to make poor choices because we're relying on them to be our savior. (laughs) Um, As you know, a lot of, I I kind of have seen uh, over the years, and this is a history thing too, it doesn't matter what corner of the world you're in, but if someone is seeking out power, they tend to just, they have this wonderful way of presenting themselves in such a way that uh, they're easily followed. And they're easily followed right over the cliff. <laughs> we just need to stop listening to those power players and letting them dictate how our culture is formulating ideas about value. And if we change it culturally, we change how how uh, who is put in power, right? Because now we're not going to hear that mess that uh, the oil snake snake oil salesman is what we say in the United States, you know. Um, Uh, Because it's just a dolled up uh, version of oppression, you know, and we're perpetuating it through that public policy process. So that's why we felt like it was really important to have an organization that sort of stood in the gap between the uh, culture and public policy to prevent that from happening. So while we're sort of realigning culture, we can stop public policy from getting this an immense amount of power uh, to drive uh, culture in the wrong direction. So, um, yeah, that's, that's just my thoughts on those things. It's, it is complicated, but I think at the foundation, it's really not. We just need to change our ideas about stuff, and then we won't put these really uh, poor choices into public policy process and hopefully, um, from the inside out, uh, find change, uh, real, lasting change, and not just uh, a perpetuated cycle, because the United States, you know, can it's a lot about a perpetuated right. cycle of the same thing. I'm sure India is right. like that too. So,
0: <laughs> Right, right, right. Perfectly all right. It's it's a good conversation. And, you know, we always may not get the answers that we seek on, but at least conversations take the thought process forward. And somewhere along the line, you just find that you need to dive dive into the sea to find that valuable thing. One one day, at least. That's how it happens. So conversations are like that. And, yeah, you're,
1: to... and you're right. Yeah. And I, I sorry. I just wanted to make the point that you're really right. We get to these places through time. So I'm in pressure, make diamonds, right? So we need to apply time and pressure to this as well. And just continue to have these conversations over time. And that's how we find our diamond.
0: Right. Absolutely. And talking of time, you see, humanity has, you know, come through such difficult stages. And again, we are uh, at a stage where we don't know uh, where we are moving. On one side, the artificial intelligence and machines are taking uh, much more, not control, but uh, their role is growing by the day. On the other side, we have the climate change. Issues. Then we have the other side, social media, which wants too much of your, you know, attention and (laughs) permission. Yes. And at the same time, uh, we don't know what exactly human as a human being where we are. So sometimes you just want to know what exactly is our value that makes us more, uh, makes us human, makes us what we are if you yeah. ask me then i look at it that humans were humans because we had empathy we yeah. could feel each other we could know each other we can think for each other and that is what made us different from any other being but right now, yeah. yeah right now we are thinking about uh Machines which can be sentient or sentient mm. and we are forgetting about empathy. How do you look at the saving humanity with loss of empathy to such a great extent that we are, uh, we are just not aware of it? How do you look at yeah. it? Who is so much working hard to save humanity?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I think of the famous quote by Mark Twain that says that uh, basically human beings are the only animal that blushes or needs to. It's the idea that we're in possession of a conscience, an ability to see past um, just mere function as an animal. Right? We do stand apart, and because we have the ability to conceive, have empathy, or to to know that we are doing something wrong. Uh, means that we have a responsibility, also, um, to to look past uh, the variables that are presented to us within culture today, and do the opposite, to see our neighbor and to love him so deeply that you'll wake up every day caring about about him and his outcome in the same way that you would for yourself. And obviously, I I believe um, very personally that it's important that I see myself that way it's important that AJ sees himself that way. Because if we see ourselves as immeasurably valuable, we will do that for our neighbor, right? And then he'll do that for his neighbor. And so um, always keep in m- keeping in mind, that, essentially that truth that we are in possession of the ability to have empathy. And to take that where we go every day, wherever you are in your day to day life, you know, you don't have to be uh, the president, you don't have to be some power player within government uh, or some sort of public servant. You are. Everyone is. And to look past that is really important, especially with these pressures uh, that technology brings, uh, to to stand in the gap for that every day. Yeah.
0: Right. Right, Nicole. And let me ask you one last question, and that will answer for almost all of humanity, if we look at it that way, your daughter had a difficult birth, and it was a diagnosis of cerebral palsy. Now she is a child, and as she grows up, she will look at the world and will look try to get as much as this world of, of this world that God has made for her, like everybody else. Yeah. Everybody has that equal stake in this planet. And she will want that. Are we giving that space, that that stake, that life, that future to your daughter? How do you see her life going forward with the type of humanity that we have now and the humanity that you are working for? does that how how do you look at and this will answer a lot of questions for everywhere if you see being in the us you still can manage a few things but insurance is such such costly everywhere mm-hmm. else people don't even know about insurance and mm-hmm. a lot of people who with who have this particular distress or diagnosis then will they be having a life with dignity and that yeah. is not only just for one illness or a problem, but for so many disease that will be a part of humankind as we move forward. We are still grappling with COVID and not everybody has been able to get the amount of care that they needed. Whatever the reasons, healthcare deficiency and whatever governmental deficiencies across the globe. This one question, I'm sure, will sum up the answer for everybody else in terms of the fight that you are making for the dignity of humanity going forward. That's my last
1: question. Yeah, okay. Well, I think it it does go back to the point that we do have a responsibility to see people in their struggle, right? So I I have family members that um, are part of the disability community, but this was different in the sense that you know it's my daughter right I'm, I'm walking this out with her um and sort of feeling through a process that i i didn't know how as a mother to navigate just this world that i was thrown into within moments um of having given birth to her so uh i i basically had this whole world opened up. So cerebral palsy, there's a lot of forums online where I can, I had access to this global group of people and I saw how people were experiencing and dealing with it wherever they were in the, in the world. So here, you know, in the United States, I might have access to equipment that can serve my daughter a little bit easier Uh, where other places in Africa I was noticing or in Sri Lanka or you know, they may not have access to those things. Um, but I was seeing so many people struggle right where they were. And there was a community that was, that was, was there that, that gave me just this intense desire to see people where they were through my own experience as a mother, watching my daughter go through this. And we do have, a I have a responsibility like not just to Cosette, my daughter, but I have a responsibility to all the other individuals within the CP community and all the other people that are, are struggling. And a big part of this organization was about meeting that, that that desire to, to be where they were um, and serve them in the way that my daughter gave me purpose in that, that he, she gave me that connection that I didn't have before. And also, you know what? She gave me a deeper understanding of of value transcending ability, right? So, you know, as a mom, it was hard. Every day I had to wake up and experience an immense amount of struggle just to get through the day because of the demands that came from the care for my daughter, right? Just that knowledge of knowing there are other parents going through that too and I care about them so much so that I I want to figure out a way because we have a responsibility to find a way to serve them wherever they are in the globe. And again, there's a lot of challenges that different uh, governments are going to create for for different people, but um, we have a responsibility to do something about that and figure out a way around those challenges so that people know that they're not alone. Yeah, so.
0: Right. A lot of people need to know that they are not alone. So how do they Mm -hmm. connect with you? Your story inspires, your work inspires. So how do they connect with you? How do they know more about what you do, what your organization
1: does? Yeah, so I would uh, love for you to visit us at DignityDefense.org. That's uh, sign up for our newsletter uh, there. Uh, Also, you can get access to all of our social media accounts there. Uh, As we uh, continue to do our work, you'll see uh, um, how that's executed and actually how you can uh, have a point of impact where you're at, right? And then uh, also uh, get on to Spotify or something and look up our uh, podcast, uh, Pro Dignity No Doubt is the name. And uh, just listen to stories of of people and feel encouraged. Yeah.
0: Right, right. And... As you look back on your life, as you look back on the time that you have passed fighting all that for, for humanity, for your daughter, how do you look at uh, the future now? How do you look at it uh, in the coming days with all those issues that is surrounding humanity? Is it, is it full of optimism? Is it full of something to be cautious? How does it work? What do, I, do your eyes see?
1: Yeah. So one of the key lessons um, as a communications expert, I always really try to impart upon people is that I, we need to maintain a balance of hope and hopelessness because it's at the point of, of that center. Uh, and then we find the most action in ourselves, the hopelessness, seeing that there is a need, right? Enough where we're moved emotionally in a deep and powerful way and hope that there's actually a change that can be exacted. I'm living in that tension every day I try so that I never not move forward in a sense of purpose every day uh, to take action in a way that I I think will will really be something good for everyone if that makes sense. So
0: on this note It's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on. Thanks,
1: AJ. Appreciate it.